You can listen to The Professional Left on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or on our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There is a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for February 26, 2016. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the GOP's midnight showing of Leaving Las Vegas, it's the professional left with Drip Glass and Blue Gal. And and like leaving Las Vegas, the GOP is now drunk and or suicidal. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't going <laughs> and to be well. It's very, very, very sad. No, it's well, it's it <laughs> and, and Schadenfreude. Yeah. Schadenfreude. Trump and Freude. Trump and Freude. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's it's becoming more and more inevitable every day that Trump will be the Republican nominee. Yeah. The question is, is he going to become president of the United States? Well, and Al Hunt was <laughs> was on. I saw I I hate to tell you this, Drift Class, I actually watched a clip on the web of, with all due respect. Ah, ah, <laughs> I know. My best, my best Wookiee in distress. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really do it. I sound like a and, whale. Yeah, it, and, and it was Mark Halperin interviewing Al Hunt, oh, God. the mortal remains of Al Hunt, and Al Hunt said... Uh-huh. Uh, the only thing the Republican establishment, quote unquote, can do is start drinking. Yeah, that's it. Hey, I, I'm down with that. I understand you. Alan. And uh, he, he also said that he thought that his prediction was that there would be a retired governor or Mayor Bloomberg or someone who would come and fall on the knife and run as a third party candidate against Trump. Uh huh. To ensure a Hillary Clinton victory instead of a Trump victory because for – and he didn't say this, but that was his prediction. And I think it's because uh, Trump is too unpredictable yeah. in terms of serving the interests of capitalism and uh, that they can't have that. The capitalist uh, Republican Party – the capitalists in the Republican Party, many of whom voted for Obama – or stayed home when Sarah Palin was the vice presidential nominee, uh-huh. uh, you know, they want stability above all. So, um, well, they want deregulation and tax cuts. Well, yeah, they want that That's too. All they want. They, yeah. You know, the rest is just, you know, chin music. Yeah. Abortion. Don't yeah. care. Don't care. Don't care. In fact, my kids or my grandkids or my great grandkids, right. all I care about are tax cuts and deregulation. The rest of it. My granddaughter can fly to Sweden for yeah. her abortion if she needs one because yeah. I'm a billionaire. Not right. A so. But the cannon fodder all need to be pointed in the right direction to get my tax cuts. Right. And my deregulation. And that's what's right. falling apart. Yep. Um, and they're scared. They're scared of that. Well, um, yeah. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say there. There is a. Um, I wrote a little parody of uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. You did. It was very funny. <laughs> I did. But the, the last part, I want. I want to read because I, I liked it because it's a good. It's it's good writing. Um, I can't think of a better definition of irony than discovering too late that all of your counterattacks on Donald Trump now depend on having a base that you have not spent 30 years and billions of dollars teaching to ignore factual reality. Exactly. You you did this. And- you said that Barack Obama's destroying America. He's a Kenyan. He's a Muslim. Global climate change is not true. And ignore everyone who says otherwise. They're all liars. Yeah. They all Ta- lie. Tax cuts increase revenue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
just and don't believe anything anyone tells you about this reality except fox shit. news yeah. right mm-hmm. you're only supposed to believe what fox news tells you <clears throat> and that bubble burst when mitt romney would lost the election yeah. right yeah. i wrote a post over at crooks and liars today about this, um, if you don't mind, since Please, no, we're reading no. our writing. No, well, we're, we're writers. You know? <laughs> we're writers. So and, we're... and you know what? Writing really does give both of us, writers generally, but both of us, a, a good chance to compose our thoughts mm-hmm. in ways that you know, they go click in our heads. We go, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to say. So nothing wrong with that. Uh, Trent Franks of Arizona, who is a member of the Freedom Caucus. Yeah circulated a letter Wednesday night in which he pleaded with Rubio and Cruz to decide, this is hilarious, to decide that one of them will be the other's vice presidential running mate. They hate each other, okay? They (laughs) They really do. But here's what his letter said. Now is a time for choosing for you and for us. (laughs) Through rivalry, disunity, and baseless hatred in our ranks, conservatives are now in danger of splintering our voice (gasps) and ensuring that the Republican Party's nominee in the general election is Mr. Trump, who is incontrovertibly the weakest general election candidate in the Republican field, with the strongest possibility of allowing Hillary Clinton to become president. Oh, no, not Hillary Clinton. So I use that as a springboard to, first of all, say that's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Ted Cruz is the second biggest ego in this race, yeah. period. And he's genuinely evil right down to yeah, his shoe and top. genuinely yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, and he would never accept second banana to a lightweight like Rubio, no. I don't think. <laughs> You're also talking about two of the least popular senators in the entire Congress. Uh-huh. Everybody hates Cruz because liar, pussy, dirty syrup guzzler. Yeah. And that's what Mark, that's what John Stewart called him, the dirty syrup guzzler. Uh, Rubio, because stupid, lazy, and easily bored. Yeah. Uh, finally, these two have been disqualified already by the voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, this is the part that I wanted to point out, and it may be repeating a lot of the things we've already said on the podcast, but it was really good for me to write it all down. Um, I'm convinced the reason Donald Trump is succeeding with Republican-based voters is actually very simple. Like Democratic voters, they don't like Citizens United. Yes. They think it's wrong that millionaires and billionaires should own the election process. Mm, I agree. Donald Trump doesn't need super PAC money so he can be their millionaire without being owned by someone underground. Republican voters want to be seen as winners, Mm -hmm. and Trump's bombastic style and electoral victories gives them that glow, which is especially needed after the 2012 race. Remember that the Republican primary season in 2012 was between Romney and not Romney, and the not Romneys kept winning primaries. Many primary voters wanted anyone but Mitt, but once he became the nominee, base voters had no choice but to get in line behind a candidate who at best was uninspiring and at worst was the very person who had destroyed their livelihoods. Our money. Right. (laughs) You lined up behind president business. And then in 2012, in November, Republicans were promised by Fox News four days leading up to Election Day that Romney was going to win in a landslide, and he lost in a landslide. Yes, he did. They lied to them. They lied. And they made him look stupid in front of the liberals. Yep. The lie from their trusted news source still stings. Uh-huh. After being told for four years, from 2008 to 2012, that Barack Obama was the worst president in history, destroying America, trademark, uh-huh. 
The idea that he would win by 5 million votes brought painful cognitive dissonance to the GOP base. Uh-huh. We're already suffering pretty heavily from cognitive yeah, dissonance. Yeah, right. Right. Now, the the Republican base wants to win as Republicans because Fox News has convinced them that the Republican Party is the only party that doesn't want to destroy America. Mm-hmm. So they would never consider voting outside the letter R. They've been trained not to. Trump, who may or may not be an actual Republican, uh-huh. gives them an out for supporting Bush twice by rejecting Jeb and picking someone this time who they feel endorses their vision of white America and who will win because he's winning. Uh And then I quote my husband. (laughs) Remember, there is no Tea Party. No. There are Republican voters who don't want to admit they voted for W twice. And there is no Republican establishment. There is a donor class and their servants. This is what the Republican Party establishment has become, thanks to Citizens United. Period. Yep. And while Republican voters don't want to be Democrats, they will reject the donor class by voting for the richest man on the stage. The richest guy who's not on the take. And he's not he's not on the take. Right. And and, this and it's is, really, really unclear what he stands for. Doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because first of all, um, there is there is something as a despised outsider, which all liberals are. <laughs> we have the luxury, in a sense, of viewing our own country as a foreign country. Mm-hmm. This is all happening in Fredonia, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Democratic establishment doesn't really give a shit what I have to say. Uh, you know, I'm going to vote for a Democrat. Um, I will contribute what nickels I have to getting a Democrat in the White House just for the Supreme Court, if no other reason. But um, they're not interested in listening to the liberals. They never have been. And since Clinton, liberals have been the wing of the party they tolerate and titillate every few years to get our votes. But there's really no, other than Elizabeth Warren, there's no actual liberal, really serious, hardcore liberal vote, uh, voice at, in the heart of the Democratic Party. I accept that. It's a, it, that is a long-term project that will require many decades to perform. Having said that, it is hilarious to watch the GOP donor class find themselves exactly where liberals have been for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. We are the ones who've been saying to the Republican Party, you are driving a tanker truck full of toxic chemicals off a fucking cliff. Maybe you should stop and think about that. And they're the ones who've been saying, ha ha, shut up, stupid liberals. Ha ha, fuck you, you un-American, traitorous, commie-loving, terrorist, blah, blah, blah. And they've been blowing past us and ignoring us, and they've been falling off one cliff after another, wrecking the economy, wrecking the country, bleeding the treasury, running up deficits, fucking up wars. Every single time there's some group of liberals saying, please, for God's sake, stop doing this. Stop it. You're you, you you're insane. You know, I, I know you at the end of the day, you think tax cuts and deregulation is where you will arrive at. But you are breaking the country mm-hmm. and they don't care. They have never cared. Now the same establishment that put this this travesty in motion are on the outside of the truck, waving their arms, going, don't you understand? You're going to crash the truck. Like, fuck you. I'm sorry. I don't really, at this point, I, I want to see them run that truck right through the heart of the GOP establishment and blow the fucker up. I mean, that is, I want to see Donald Trump become the candidate, if only to watch the GOP donor class running through the streets with their hair on fire, shooting mm-hmm. blood out of their eyes, mm-hmm. while we piss on them. Go, you know yep. what? This is, this is, since you don't care about us anyway, this is us doing our little, we, I told you so dance. I told you so. I told, I've been telling you for 20 years this is what's going to happen, and now it's happened. Yeah. The second yeah. half is, 
uh, we commend to you uh, Matt Taibbi's excellent article on Donald Trump. It's a really we'll put up a link. It's a fine article. I, we don't want to quote it in length because yeah, and if we start talking about that, we will not yeah. talk about anything else, and we've got a lot to cover. Yeah. But it's really good, and and particularly his hatred of the media and how that goes along with Trump supporters' understanding of what toadies these guys he, are. He tells them the truth. Yeah. I mean, he, the, a lot of the stuff he he says is hateful and wrong and, and awful, but there's enough truth in there. He tells them the media is corrupt and they're in on the game, and they are. Mm-hmm. And he yep. tells them that George Bush lied him into Iraq, and he did. Mm-hmm. And that the um, both Republicans and Democrats um, colluded to make sure that you we couldn't uh, negotiate for um, drug uh, decent drug prices. Right. Or left a lot of shit on the table that should have been attended to uh, when healthcare reform passed, but they didn't want to because the insurance companies told them otherwise that they're that they're in the pockets, and they are. So the what well, he tells them enough things that are patently true that you're also never supposed to say out loud in the Republican Party. And what happens? Well, the Republican donor class and Wolf Blitzer uh, get really, really upset when he says things like this. And every time they do, he points at them and says, see, I told you, I told you, they're all in on it. They're all conspiring against you. I'm the only one you can trust because I have my own money. I don't need their fucking money. I can wipe my ass with what they paid off Hillary for or what they gave to Ted Cruz. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. I blow through that during lunchtime. And that is an incredibly appealing message for people who really do believe the system is corrupt and they believe it for a damn good reason. Anyway, I think I think it was a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't want to point out that the Kasich people mm-hmm. of all things called the no labels people a bunch of parasites. Yeah, I and know. I, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and the both siders, what's going on with yeah, them? Because they yeah. they're having a meltdown. Well, Ron Fournier. I really, I, I used to think David Brooks was the, was the heavyweight champ, but really, Ron Fournier, just for sheer robotic, mindless mm-hmm. uh, asshole persistence, is is coming on strong. He cannot find any issue under the sun that he will not blame on Barack Obama. Um, in fact, the only or the Democratic Party or the Democratic Party, and he's the only reason. The, I swear to God, the the only reason that the Republican Party's absolute public intransigence over the Supreme Court offends him mm-hmm. is that they've gone so far that they're so ridiculous on this one issue that it prevents us from having a fruitful discussion about I how can't both- say both sides because you just you didn't wait for him to nominate somebody right. before you blocked him. You if, you had, if you had said on principle, oh, no, we're not gonna even going to consider right. that person based on blah, blah, liberal, blah, blah. But he's upset that they're making it hard for him to run his scam. Yeah. And not- we have breaking news, by the way, on that, Drift Glass. Oh, Sandoval has pulled his name out of consideration. He doesn't want to be the hockey puck the between Pinata, Obama yeah. and the Congress, which he really, that really was a good troll. I think <laughs> oh, genius. It was genius. You, you thought it was a troll from the beginning. I wasn't so sure, but yeah. let go, go backwards just a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, the trial balloon was raised that perhaps Obama would pick Nevada governor, yep. Brian Sandoval, who was a Republican. He's also pro-choice. He also took Medicaid expansion yep. And uh, he is uh, apparently not as friendly to a lot of other issues that liberals love. And so it would have made um, the liberal contingent very angry if he had been the nominee. But um, and, and Hillary Clinton came out this morning early before Sandoval pulled his name and said, oh, no, no, this is not going to be this is not going to float. Uh, but you thought from the very beginning, uh, as did some of my colleagues at Crooks and Liars, that 
this was not actually a real trial balloon, that this was him trolling the Republicans. Because it it doesn't have to be for real. I mean, it might have been, he might have been sincere about it. But once they've said, we're not even going to take any meetings with these people. We're not even going to consider anybody, no matter what, fuck you, the the case closed. We're going to go back to voting on getting rid of Obamacare for the 177th time. Um, That left the window wide open for him to pick anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and, and roll them out there because hey, <laughs> what he could pick Robert Bork. He could <laughs> Robert Bork. All is forgiven. Come back, come back, Robert Bork. <laughs> because if if Mitch McConnell has to walk this thing back one inch, suddenly the door's open. Right. And so he, they made I don't know why they did it, but they gave him this gift that he is smart enough to use. Um, getting back to the uh, both siderists. Yeah, um, yeah. He's... As I said, they. In our notes, they, they barricaded themselves inside a Motel 6. They sent John Huntsman out to negotiate, but he never came back. <laughs> he never came back. John, John Kasich, uh, I'm sorry, John Huntsman, uh, failed presidential candidate and nearly forgotten in concert. He's the other Mormon who never became president, um, is to keep his name from being buried by the sands of time became the co-chair of the no labels scam yeah Yeah. and this week he said you know i'm a republican so if it's trump i'm gonna back trump yeah wow which is you know i know it's a scam john you know it's a scam michael Steele, all the people mr unger all the people who take the the money of those trusting half bright centrist millionaires on the upper west side so you'll tell them fairy tales about how it's always both sides. <laughs> Everyone but them, John, yeah. knows it's bullshit. Yeah. And the fact that you walked out of the no labels headquarters and over to Trump headquarters and say, "Yeah, this will be my guy." Yeah, is, amazing. You know, and but those, you know, those half bright centrist, you know, jellyfish never get out from under their bed. They never listen to. They're going to keep funding them because they they want to keep hearing the story. The happy, well, happy that's story. right. And they don't want to be blamed for the Bush administration. And right. that really is the key thing to all of these Tea Party, whatever it is that's rebranding Republicans from the Bush era. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. Yep. So, yep. Um, <laughs> so the GOP establishment, which is what they call themselves, again, yeah. that is rebranding. Mm-hmm. From the donor class. Yep. That is the hidey hole for the donor class. And anytime you hear GOP establishment, you should yell at your TV, you mean the donor class. Well, the donor class and their... And their muffins. servants, yes. yes. Their rights yes. prebuses, if you will. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Talk about somebody who should show up for work drunk. Yeah. That would be the one. <laughs> uh, and I did an open thread with a video uh, that was made by Scarce at Crooks and Liars where he's slurring his words a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't feel sorry for him, though. No. He asked for that job. He did. You know. He ran for it. Nobody's forcing him to be the head of the RNC. Hey, remember who he ran against? No. For the job? You mean Michael Steele? Yeah. And won. He beat they kicked Michael Steele, Michael Steele out. They did. Apparently because of bondage-themed nightclubs. Yeah. Well, he kept trying to hint around the corners that maybe it wasn't a good idea to be, like, Racist? <laughs> you know, he would never say that out loud because Michael Steele likes that money. He likes that money. That GOP money pays for Michael Steele's house and his nice suits and his cars and his haircuts and all of his stuff. So, but Charlie Mike, Pierce was on with Michael Steele on the Lawrence O'Donnell show, and you had a lot of laughing. There was a lot of laughing <clears throat> coming from you during that interview. It delights me when Charlie Pierce is on uh, the last 
a vestige of liberal TV, which is somewhere. It's usually the Chris Hayes show. You know, they have him on for four minutes to talk about election results, and he's always good, and he's always nice. But the Lawrence O'Donnell people had him on for like two whole segments, and they had him on opposite Michael Steele. Ew. And it was real. And, and there was, and I, I watched him, you know, give him two more minutes just to throw that punch, man. Just to throw <laughs> that punch. But he, you know, I, you know, he, he behaved himself on TV like a grown up. But Michael Steele wanted to talk about the general disaffection. You know, the always the, the, the no labels run Fournier. Oh, isn't it awful how everyone is awful and how the whole system is terrible and Washington's corrupt? You know, and did the check clear? Good. Then let me go yeah. on by saying that, yes, Washington, <laughs> those people over there are certainly doing a terrible job of running this country. Um, and let's forget that I used I used to be paid to be one of those guys. I used to run the Republican Party. Um, and people used to clean their boots on my chin in the Republican Party. And I'd smile and take it because that's my job. Now yeah. it's Reince Priebus's job. So he went on and on about the general disaffection of the voter and how awful and terrible and everything it is. And Lawrence O'Donnell, bless his heart, said, yeah, that's all very interesting, but let's talk about the racism in the Republican Party, shall we? <laughs> let's talk about the Trump voter who thinks that, that Barack Obama's a Muslim, and he wasn't yeah. born, and the staggeringly large number of people who, after all this time, believe the crazy racist shit that Donald Trump says. And Charlie Pierce jumped right in and said, yeah, you know, we really, there's, you can talk a lot of Ramadula about a whole bunch of other shit. But right at the core of a, of a Trump supporter is this deep racism. It's been it's been going on for thirty years. You know, this is like it went. He didn't say this, but it went right on through your tenure, Michael. You didn't yep. do shit about it. You pretended it wasn't happening because you you are a good, obedient servant because you don't want to talk mean about the Republican Party because then the, the checks stop coming and right. then you have to go work for a fucking living. So. But you could, I could swear I could see Michael Steele sweating through his pretty suit because suddenly we weren't talking about some general cloud of disaffection over corruption, but the specific charge, the party that you used to front for yep. is a bunch of fucking racists. Yep. And it's really, there's no way around it. And how is it this guy, this African-American gentleman here, spent a lot of his life fronting for people that are openly racist and never said anything about it? And that was the punch that never got thrown and never will be. I mean, that's never going to happen on television, but it was, you know, I think we have to parse out uh -huh. and I don't mean this in a way to excuse anyone, mm -hmm. but I do think we have to parse out the voters in terms of what we're talking about when we talk about racism, Yes, because there are racists who absolutely hate black people. Uh -huh. Think anyone who is not white, you know, the KKK people, yes. the people who, who are Stormfront, right. who, by the way, do robocalls for Donald Trump and think he's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that those people are today, disavowed, today embarrassing. Did, today, David Duke endorsed Donald Trump. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so there's that contingent. Then there's a contingent of Iowa voters who win... An SNL actor goes in dressed as Ben Carson, shake his hand and think, oh, yeah, that's Ben Carson because I see the black guy. Right. Because they've, you know, they don't, they live in an area where there are zero black people, yeah. period. And if if you live in a community where it is, you know, 1% or 2% non-white, uh, you just don't have a range of experience and are threatened by the unknown. And that ignorance has to be overcome. We have a lot of work to do. Well, yeah. To that just that, that is just butt ignorance. 
Well, there's also a large number of people in between, I would argue. Exactly. And who, that's the that is the point to me, which well, is the people who say who are in South Carolina, who when polled, 10% of them are willing to say that they don't think the Emancipation Proclamation was a good idea. Yeah. They're willing to tell a pollster that, mm-hmm. you know, and I want my Confederate flag back because that's my heritage. My heritage. And, and it's more than just, uh, in fact, it isn't at all a sense of I don't know any black people because South Carolina has lots and lots and lots of black people and you're around them yep. and you're in the store with them. And so you cannot claim I just don't know any black people and I'm afraid because I I don't I don't have any experience. Uh, and so I the white makes me comfortable and I'm going to stay in that bucket, which we have to confront and we have to address. I'm not saying we don't. Right. But the uh, the other side of it, the South Carolina Republican Party, which let's face it, mm-hmm. will look at a camera and say, I have black friends. I have, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm not racist because but black on black crime and well, who will who, who yeah. really, really really hate Barack Obama yeah, for reasons that are completely made up. And they're made up because these people won't admit to themselves why they really hate him. Yep. They hate him because he's a Muslim. He's not a Muslim. They hate him because he wasn't what he was born here. They hate him because he destroyed, he's coming from my guns. No, you can debunk every one of their stupid excuses. Their four year old caught stealing from mom's purse excuses. Exactly. And they're still going to hate him. And, and, And then you have to start saying, okay, if every single thing you believe is bullshit, and I can prove it to you, and every single excuse you have for hating this guy, hating liberals generally, let's say, but hating this guy specifically, so out of proportion with what he's done is mm-hmm. nonsense, I could prove it to you, and you still go on hating him, then I believe it is fair to say you hate him for some other reason. Yeah. And yeah. since we can't But it, but it isn't other... about him being black. It's about him being black and having power. Right. And that is where and th- that documentary we watched about Loving versus Virginia, mm-hmm. where they did man on the street interviews in Virginia. Yep. And the white guy who was clearly, you know, raised f- Mima and Papa were in the clan. I'm right. sorry. They were. But he was saying, oh, we love our Negroes, except right. he didn't say Negro. No. <laughs> you know? No. And uh, I shake hands with one at least every day, go down to the feed shop, and I just, you know, say hi. And he says, hello, Mr. So-and-so. And I say, hello, Jody. And there's no question. He, he just, the shade over his face of the fact that the African-American addresses me as Mr. So-and-so, right. and I address him as boy. Race and class are synonymous. Doesn't even ring a bell in my brain that right. there's a power structure involved. Mm-hmm. and. Because it's the water in which I swim. It's, exactly. It's the default exactly. setting that I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm comfortable with. And so, you know, I think we have to parse that out. And and uh, we've got a lot of, all of us have a lot of work to do about race in America. That's for sure. We all know that. But, uh, you know, part of it is education with some people. And part of it is you're going to have to have it. You're going to have to be driven to the sea, metaphorically. Yeah. You know, your way of thinking is going to have to be driven out of this country with union bayonets. And I mean that metaphorically. Just And, and the way it's going to happen is you're going to lose one presidential election after another until you are in the minority and you have to deal with it. Well, I'm the, the, I mean, oh. I believe that the first sentence <laughs> racists are taught is, I'm not a racist, but... Yeah. And the yeah. second yeah. the second sentence they're taught once they become slightly more sophisticated is, you know, the real racists are the liberals. 
And that's how, and this is, and this is the mental protection that they, they armor the inside of their skulls with. So they won't have to face who they are, what they really believe, which is terrifying. And, uh, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want, they don't want to face their own past. They don't want to face their own mistakes. They don't want to face their own failures. Um, and Donald Trump gives them, you know, again, a tone expiation. He will wipe away your sins. The past will never have happened and you will win and win and win forever. So you're listening to the professional left podcast, professionalleft.blogspot.com. This portion of professional left podcast is being recorded on Friday morning post debate. Uh, we had to stop yesterday because of different things. So uh, here we are. And so we got to see the debate last night, the yeah. Republican debate in Houston, Ted Cruz, home field advantage. Yeah. Well, first of all, <laughs> I had to go down around the house doing the continuity stuff, making sure nobody could tell. So I made sure all the ashes and all the cigarettes are the same length as they were yesterday. <laughs> the shadows are all falling in the same place. Hey, how come Drift Glass is wearing a blue shirt today? That didn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> So if continuity is bad, blame me. That's my job. I'm supposed to take Polaroids. Well, and... I feel a lot dirtier this morning than I do ye- did yesterday yeah. after watching this debate. Yeah. I <laughs> I feel very uh, – I'm beating myself up a little bit for how I feel about Ted Cruz. And then I read that uh, Lindsey Graham said that if Ted Cruz was murdered on the floor of the Senate and the Senate held the trial – you wouldn't get a conviction. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah. oh, that's nastier than what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Dame Lindsay has gone uh, all all in on, I can't believe how these crazy people have ruined my mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's irrelevant. He's, yeah. you know, he's, he's, it was, it was just a, it was a pie fight. It was an absolute pie fight. I was waiting for John Kasich to say a thousand points of light yeah. <laughs> because he was the George H.W. Bush on the stage. Yeah. And everybody else, I mean, Carson was just a joke. The fruit salad was something yeah, else. It was, and... it, it was weird because, yeah, Kasich was like basically play, playing Andy Griffith. You know, back in Mayberry, we have a saying about peach cobbler. It's delicious. <laughs> Remember Otis? Wasn't Otis fun? Vote for me. <laughs> and he, he was a completely different debate he was at. He, he yeah, was not even yeah. there. And I, you know, I have seen people uh, in the throes of um, various forms of narcotics. And, <laughs> um, I, I might have even been in such a throw myself at one time or another. And I am just amazed. I mean, watching Ben Carson just sort of float through, I believe in liberty and justice and things that are floaty and shiny and you know and, and he fell asleep out. during one question i think quite literally he, did. he just spaced out yeah yeah but but you know it's you have to have them there as almost the the cotton batting mm-hmm. um, you know just mm-hmm. we need some kind of insulation to keep this thing from bursting into flames we need someone cuz at about halfway through um wolf blitzer just put his feet up and gave up well, he he just was so uh, bullied by Cruz into. I mean, he j- he just wilted like a piece of spaghetti. Yeah. Every time Cruz said, "Well, you have to let me talk now." Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it it he was not moderating that debate. And Cruz that... was everybody's ex's worst divorce attorney. <laughs> yeah. Well, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And you know what he said might have, first of all. In a debate, at least in my high school debate, you never look at your opponent. Yeah. Ted Cruz took over the job of demanding answers from Donald Trump. And Trump just sort of, fuck you. I'm, fuck yeah. you. I'm not going to answer your question, you dimwit. And it was just, I saw one guy um, 
holding a zone against two guys who were together just a flurry of tiny little fists. And some of them landed, and some of them didn't. But it was just, oh, really? Even two on one, you can't take this guy down. Yeah, and, yeah. And it was, you know, it was it was professional wrestling. Bring it on. I love your hatred. I feed on your anger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and Well, the part about, the, the part where Trump said, go ahead, swing for the fences, yeah. Yeah, was man. just yeah. kind of perfect. Yeah. He did land. They did land some punches. The the um, stuff on healthcare. I thought they landed some punches, and the stuff on you know you're repeating yourself. It is true. He, yeah. That's part of his brand. He is branding rather than repeating, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my brand is make America great again. So of course I'm going to say it a million times. That's different from repeating a speech that you know the Rubio Rubiot yeah. <laughs> said in the in the previous debate. Well, and the idea that we're going to gang pile on. Trump for not having a substantive replacement to Obamacare. Yeah, wow. It's hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Well, and the part two where, um, the part on Israel, where I just about, yeah. you know, faded into the floor because of the irony of it, where Marco Rubio said, well, you have to understand, you can't hold a negotiation when one party isn't acting in good faith. Yeah. And I thought, wait a minute. In bizarro world, you would actually be talking about Mitch McConnell right. when you said that. Right. And and it's real. I mean, it was funny watching Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio try and and Donald Trump trying to out pro Israel each other. Yeah. And, and Ted Cruz, I jotted down. I have I have my long list of free association thoughts on my blog. Um, but Ted Cruz saying essentially, I'm more pro Israel than anyone ever in history. The Maccabees were fucking mall cops compared to me. <laughs> You know, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. but there's a couple of people on the audience who you would really, really like to write you large checks. Yeah. This is what you're going to have to say. And it was, it. I noticed that just from a, a fighting point of view, because this was a cage match among three people. Mm-hmm. And that's a different animal altogether than a boxing match. Mm-hmm. But Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, uh, cannot change his cadence. No, he, has he can't. one tone. Right. It's, yeah, and yeah, that's all yeah. he knows how to do. Yeah. And Marco Rubio, I swear, his comebacks would have been more effective. I noted this as well. If he didn't go all bouncy, smiley afterwards. Every time he went, now I get a trophy. Well, yay, like, like lollipop. A, like a toddler who just made pee-pee in the bowl yeah, for the first yeah. time. Like, hey. yay, I insulted him. Look, everybody, look what I can do. And it was, it, it, it was, that's all he can do. Yeah, yeah, Donald right. Trump knows how to jab and punch and counter punch and hold himself back and he's really good at this sort of thing so out of left field he comes out with i love planned parenthood i I hate abortion hey we all hate abortion everybody hates abortion right but that was directly aimed at women yeah directly aimed at planned parenthood does important things like cervical cancer and well, and it's something like 78 percent of republicans think planned parenthood's health work is okay yes You know, they don't like breast cancer and cervical cancer, and they're glad their college-age daughter can go there. Whether they admit it or not, they're glad their college-age daughter can go there for birth control. And that, they that you know, 
granddaughter doesn't come home pregnant because of Planned Parenthood, and they just they're willing. It's it's like the Catholic Church uh-huh. where you come and take communion and baptize your kid, and we won't ask you why you only have two kids in a ten year marriage, right. right? Because we don't need to know what we don't know won't hurt you, uh-huh. and it's the same way with Planned Parenthood. We don't need to know. We don't want to know uh-huh. whether the young women in our family are sexually active yeah. or not, and it's all about women. We want to know our sons are sexually active. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and that's just tribal human nature. I remember having this discussion with someone, a man, I won't say who, um, about, you know, his daughter and his son. And when when do you think it's appropriate? What age do you think it's appropriate for your son to lose his virginity? He said, oh, first year of college, 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there, you know. And what about your daughter? 30. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... 28, 30, somewhere in there. I was like, okay, is she going to be sleeping with a 17-year-old? Because what you're suggesting is so out of bounds. Who's your son going to be sleeping with, some 30-year-old woman? No. But they're they're going to go to college and have sex. And you don't want to know about that. You don't want there to be consequences for your college child. And so even the most conservative person on the planet Use, I mean, Ted Cruz talks about, you know, co- his condoms. Ugh, I don't yeah, want to think about no, it. No. But, ah, but ah. the most conservative people know that women need birth control and they don't want to discuss it at the dinner table or at the political debate. But, hey, it's part of life. And so Planned Parenthood does serve that function. And Donald Trump's absolutely right to say, you know, what they do to help women prevent pregnancy and stay healthy is absolutely a good thing. And Well, and that was the here's the thing. The only even because, I mean, the the whole abortion thing is ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's position on that stage is insane and and off the charts crazy. Right. The only pro and morally reprehensible, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Reprehensible, reprehensible, all the ensibles. Mm -hmm. Um, The only pro female comment on the stage all night came from Donald Trump. From Donald fucking Trump. And that was who is, you know, (laughs) who is the one who wanted to have sex with Princess Diana. (laughs) That I'm trying to catch the video for this for Crooks and Liars of when he said they asked him about being on Howard Stern. He said, Every time I was on Howard Stern, we were just having fun and we kept it clean. Right. Oh my God, that is such a lie. Well, yeah, yeah. He talked about how his wife never farted, and then he, he sat there and smiled while Howard Stern s- suggested and planned out a four-way with Howard Stern and, and their hot wives. You know, I mean, on and on. How much he wanted to bang Princess Diana, and uh, just sure. he, on and on and on. And, and um, how much of that is going to offend the average conservative? Nobody. Guy? Not Nobody, Not conservative anybody. Yeah. No, they want to. They want a winner. We you know, like we said in the earlier in the podcast. Boys so. will be boys. You know, they right. have cigars. They have some That's... brandy. They have some hookers. You know, these and it's happen. too bad. It's too bad. It's that way. It's yeah. too bad that. But yeah, and and Donald Trump is the only one who didn't have to speak to Right to Life Ohio, right? I mean, that's 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 who everybody else was speaking to was the rabid anti-choice base of the party, right? That could destroy your chances to win in certain southern states and Ohio as well. And those um, are the people that he, Donald Trump, doesn't really need at this moment. Someone someday will have the time and, and energy to pick through this rubble if they ever want to. But when Ted Cruz just hung his chin way out there to talk about his awesome electability and his poll numbers, oh you know, my I, I'm the one who can be Hillary. And 
It's just really you. You walked into that, man. You. I mean, maybe you had. That, to that's do what it. I was going to say. Um, I hope that whoever wins on the Democratic side is willing to use the National Guard to protect abortion clinics. Yeah. You yeah. know, because that's what it's going to come down to. We're going to put a ring of, of National Guardsmen around abortion clinics. Yep. Uh, yep. All over this country, and we're going to put a mm-hmm. uh, public women's health facility on every National Guard post. Right. And access, you can, publicly accessible, like libraries. That's how abundant they will be. Because when Cruz decided that his awesome electability and poll numbers were what he should bring up, all Trump had to do was say, I'm beating your ass everywhere. 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 I beat your ass. Among Republicans, not just general election. Among Republicans, I'm beating you. Yes. All across every state. Yeah, yeah, you sort of won Iowa because you cheated. Yeah, but I I kicked your ass all over this country. I'm going to kick your ass on Tuesday. So okay, if you think that's good, then maybe that explains why you're such a fucking loser. Wait till I kick your ass in Texas, then you're really going to be sorry. Well, and I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, Cruz was really uh, showed off his McCarthyism after the debate as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just pure evil. First of all, he he as Senator Cruz has blocked aid to um, Flint, Michigan. So uh, you want to be a hated asshole? There you go. Got it. You win. You win. And uh, this stuff about, he kept repeating this stuff about corruption at the Clinton Foundation. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> I did, it's amazing because the Clinton, I think Bill Clinton is going to have to just come out and talk about all of the good things that the Clinton Foundation does. And yes, it is. It massages the egos of boomer millionaires. Yes, it does. To give money, to help Haiti to work on clean energy issues, education, and, you know, those kind of charities. It's a charity. And as Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton could not hand out military contracts. No. You know, that's that's left to Congress. So You do get a nice, rich broth of every wingnut conspiracy theory mm-hmm. in these well, and debates. That's, why, that's what this thing is about her speeches, too. And I'm, you know, I'm going to say it again because I make people – it pisses me off so much that – Saying one nice thing about Hillary Clinton means that you're endorsing Satan. You're in the, you're in the tank with her. Why do you want to see children die, Blue Why? Jesus Christ. Actually, okay. junior, junior dude might be volunteering for Sanders yeah. in Illinois. He's, we're waiting to see where he's going to open up his uh, campaign headquarters in Springfield. But uh, that's on our list to f- figure that out for him. And uh, the – but the um, – the release of these speeches, I mean, this is going to be, again, the definition of what is, is. They're going to find a preposition right. that Hugh Hewitt's blog can dine out on for six months. And and I don't know why the media just keeps lapping that up with a spoon. Oh, I because... do. <laughs> oh, oh, I do. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> because it's, it's because one of the four things about which Donald Trump is exactly right is the media is a horribly corrupt horror. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this is, you know, the master narrative of the media, going back to Cokie Roberts, is that if it's in the air, you got to talk about it. Yeah. It's in the air because yeah. you farted it, man. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. Know, the, the, remember the um, Ibogaine rumor about uh, Muskie? Yes. Yes, um, right. You know, it was Hunter Thompson who said, and this is, bless his heart, Hunter Thompson talked about the rumored use of I, I, an exotic drug called Ibogaine by the Muskie, by, by Senator Muskie. He made and, it up. And then he asked about it. He goes, yeah, it, it, it's a rumor. I know. I made it up. All I did was report a rumor. Well, yeah, I made it up. This is just 
the beltway jerking itself off. Mm-hmm. It's another chance to revisit the glory days when they all had their hair and they were all screwing each other. And and nobody knew that Alan Greenspan was fucking insane, except the liberals, of course. And they could all get away with murder, and nobody thought they were jokes back in the good old Clinton days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh good, more more Clinton stuff to hump because that's what because that lets us not talk about the real story. And the real story is the Republican Party has lost its mind. Yeah. And the Republican Party has been in the process of losing its mind for thirty years. And all of the income inequality and decaying infrastructure and really serious problems that we have in this country are on purpose. Right. And and it's really important to understand that making government fail the American people is on purpose. It's the plan. That's it's the, the plan. plan. And it allows certain people to accumulate wealth and power. And, if, and it allows a lot of other people to point at the government that the right has broken and say, see, government doesn't work. And government perpetuate the strong, government's evil, government can't do yeah. anything right. Hey, Drift Glass, yeah. speaking of Donald Trump, <laughs> it's time for Bible Bitch. Bible Bitch. That's not scriptural. Oh, really? I love yeah. Bible Bitch. Bible Bitch uh, from First Samuel. And uh, this was read from the pulpit at a church service that you and I attended recently. And you and I looked at one another and looked at our liberal friend across on the other pew and went, Donald Trump. (laughs) So uh, I'll just read this. This is from 1 Samuel 8. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us, then, a king to govern us like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day— Forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now then, listen to their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take one-tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. Mm -hmm. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. Uh But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. They said, no, but we are determined to have a king over us. All right. So same as it ever was. Yeah. The authoritarians no. want. <laughs> Bring us a king. Maybe He's a, golden, a winner. Golden cap would be nice, too. If you could throw that in, that'd be awesome. Could you do that? Sure we can. We're gonna make He's a Mex- millionaire, and it'll be, we'll be winners. Yeah. We're going to yeah. make the Mexicans pay for the golden cap. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it, it is just. Your class, your yep. class, we're running out of time. I want to ask you about Morning Joe. Uh-huh. 
because uh, Hillary was on this morning with them, Did I think, to, to, to tamp down the whole in the tank for Trump thing. Uh-huh. Um, they were caught off camera yep. by a hot mic. Yep. Uh, you want to talk about that? Oh, it, it showed up on uh, uh, the show. Harry Shearer's Harry Le Show. Yeah, they, they had left the microphone on. And Scarborough and his, you know, Squint in the Meat Puppet, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, were just yucking it up with Donald Trump. And, you know, and some of it was just, you know, shop talk about being on television and so forth. And that's understandable. But, but the, a lot of it was about how, you know, people are getting in line. Yep. And how, you know, as long as we all look good, this is fine. Yeah, we'll make each other look good, said Donald. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and laugh, don't ask laugh, me laugh. hard questions. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And yeah. it was just the, the kind of creepy, incestuous, fawning uh, relationship that you always knew they had. Yeah. Yeah. But and they, and and of course, the answer is just shrug it off. Yeah. You know, what What are you chumps going to do about it? Huh? We, we own the networks. We own television. We own the newspaper. What the hell are you going to do about it? And the answer is, well, nothing really. But it again, as I look at, at being a liberal in a, in a little bit like Josephus after the sack of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we're just here to document the atrocities at this point. Nobody listens to liberals. Yeah. Um, and uh, except our listeners were awesome. And, and we just, you know, it, of course, Donald Trump and Joe Scarborough and Mika are in on the same scam. Of course they know they're buffaloing the chumps who watch them and think it's news. Of course it's the fixes in this again. This is the, the genius of Donald Trump. He knows certain truths that he knows that his mob already believes that he can tell them safely that the Republican establishment don't dare utter out loud. Mm-hmm. So Donald Trump can say, for example, you know, George Bush lied us into the Iraq war and the, the media is just a corrupt, you know, whorehouse and that everybody on the stage is on the take except me. And, the, and uh, enough people in the Republican base believe that because it's true. Exactly. Um, to give him a pass on all the other crazy shit he says. On yeah. the, I'll just say on the extreme other end of the spectrum, um, I will write this up today, is the David Brooks column from today. In which, which you are writing up. I, in which he just, he, he, he won't, at, it is like, you mentioned, like a writing assignment. How it was you, a writing assignment. Yeah. May was, I tell him what my sure, theory is sure. about it, it that? Was, it was a perfect description. It was it was describing the Republican Party without using the word Republican one time in yeah. 800 words. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> so there are some groups out there, uh, the Tea Party, but some on the left too. And then it's they this and they that and those them and those that. And it really is, and the, the part again that, that is um, really depressing is not that David Brooks is a is a scoundrel and a coward and a liar, because he is all those things. He makes a, a lot of money being those things. It is that absolutely no one in the Mika Brzezinski, Joe Scarborough, Chuck Todd, Circle Jerk universe is going to call him out on it, ever, right. under any circumstances. Right. And being on the outside watching this and watching the cancer grow uh, is depressing and amusing sometimes, but it certainly keeps us busy. And 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 what happens at the end of the Republican nominating process is someone will emerge, probably Donald Trump, uh, who will then take on someone on the Democratic side who has yet to be determined. And I still, I still remain proud of the way the Democrats, by and large, are conducting their campaign. Yeah, yeah, um, I am too. They're trying, Overall, they're trying really hard not to inflict mortal wounds on each other. Yeah, and go after each other personally. I, I know it hurts. 
I know they say mean things about each other. I know that we're all sunburned and every little touch stings and like hell. Twitter is a cesspool from time to time. Yeah. But this, yeah. this, frankly, uh, the, the Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton campaign is what a normal presidential campaign would look like a general election campaign mm -hmm. in a sane country. Well, and I think that's why a lot of Republicans, I said this before, mm -hmm. a lot of Republicans will decide that the best Republican running is Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. that's saying Eisenhower Republican. And and I don't mean that as a smear against her. No, no. But <laughs> she kind of is. This you is know? what, you know, an Eisenhower Republican in, in a certain sense versus an FDR Democrat. Yeah. That is a, yeah, that's a wonderful. What we have here. That's, that's a, a great choice to have. That's an awesome, you know? and that would be the political conversation yeah. if this yeah. were a sane country. Exactly. But it's not. Exactly. We would have those two people running against each other. If only yeah. Blue Gal, if only Obama would lead. Really, that's <laughs> the problem. If only he would lead. All right, that's a great place to end. I think so. Each week, we post to our Facebook page and website an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet Kitty is Yoda. This is not the same Yoda that has been Internet Kitty before. That that one back there was Bloggenfreud as Yoda. This is a different Yoda. Looks a lot like the other Yoda. They're all black kittens. Um, this Yoda is a polydactyl Bombay wonder of a companion. You can go visit Yoda at our Facebook page and website. He's very beautiful. You can send your Internet Kitty to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, where you can also write to both of us. And uh, Drift Class, I noticed today that trending on Twitter, since it's Friday, we have this advantage. We have a writing assignment coming up in Science Fiction University. If you want to use the name Tokyo Sex Whale in yes. your story, <laughs> that he's someone who was running for the presidency of FIFA and he removed his name from consideration. He's a South African uh business uh, government type, mm -hmm. and um, his name was trending on Twitter this morning. Tokyo Sex Whale. Yeah, it, awesome name. Put that in there if you need a character. With use, bonus use points. It, use it before William Gibson steals it. See, there you go. Mm -hmm. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. Be aware if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go, go Postal, Postal Unions! Union. Letter on the air, unless you say otherwise. Don't forget our gourmet coffee guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, buy one for us. And don't forget our Amazon link at our website. We believe in buying local. We also believe in shopping Amazon with our link if your alternative is a big box store. Approximately 1% of our listeners support this podcast with a contribution you can too. See our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com for details. Both our PayPal and postal address information is there at professionalleft.blogspot.com. Please rate our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a thumbs up on Stitcher. And thank you for doing that. So, Drift Class, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties plan to spend Oscar night hissing at Leo DiCaprio and cheering for the bear. Let's think about living. Think about living. Let's think about loving. Think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the popping and the loving, loving, loving. Let's forget about the wine and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow and the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Love Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2016. Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast. 
Minecraft is awesome. Now it's time for Science Fiction University with our science fiction expert, Jeff Glass. Science Fiction University, we had good response last week to our experiment. Actual Science Fiction University type thing. Yeah, we did. And out. what we're going to do is keep doing this. We're going to do some story workshopping kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. At the end of today, Science Fiction University will be inviting all of you to submit writing of various assignments from Drift Glass. Very short writing. <laughs> they will very, be very short. Yeah, they have to be shorter than the average <clears throat> uh, Apple FBI email I got this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They can't have Which chapter- was like 16 paragraph emails, yeah, people. You, you can't have chapter headings on them. So, no. 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 And I love you guys. And really, everyone pretty much said the same thing about, um, you know, the FBI was asking for way more than they actually needed. And I appreciate that. But just so you know, we are going to be reading these on the air and reading them um, and analyzing your writing and talking about it. So we're we're going to have these are going to be short assignments. So. Uh, but we appreciate that. And then what we're going to do is when we give an assignment from Drip Glass, mm-hmm. we're going to give you two weeks to complete the assignment or to get it in to us. And in the intervening week, we will have a quiz from Dogface German so, or whoever. So that works out well. Yeah. Uh, we should do one assignment a month or so. And uh, this this will be fun. But today, Drip Glass, you promised people last week, <clears throat> our listeners last week. I did. That you were going to read to us from another story mm-hmm. in the science fiction canon. Uh-huh. This one is called The Cold Equations. Yeah, the Cold Equations by Tom Godwin. And so this is another old, this is a story from the 50s, right? Yeah, 1954. Um, I believe it's in the public domain now, so we'll yep. put a link up at our site where you can find the PDF if you want to read the whole thing. It's not very long. It is a classic man-against-nature story. All right. It well, is. Um, if you read this, you can pair it nicely with... Um, Jack London's to build a fire. Ah, Just, all right. Know, nature doesn't forgive, and and this is nature stripped down to its physics, uh, the rules of physics. All right. Well, let us begin. Here is Driftglass reading Tom Godwin's 1954 story, The Cold Equations. He was not alone. There was nothing to indicate the fact, but the white hand of the tiny gauge on the board before him. The control room was empty but for himself. There was no sound other than the murmur of the drives. But the white hand had moved. It had been on zero when the little ship was launched from the stardust. Now, an hour later, it had crept up. There was something in the supply closet across the room, it was saying. Some kind of body that radiated heat. It could be but one kind of body a living human body. He leaned back in the pilot's chair and drew a deep, slow breath, considering what he would have to do. He was an EDS pilot, inured to the sight of death, long since accustomed to it, and to viewing the dying of another man with an objective lack of emotion, and he had no choice in what he must do. There could be no alternative, but it required a few moments of conditioning for even an EDS pilot to prepare himself to walk across the room and coldly, deliberately, take the life of a man he had yet to meet. He would, of course, do it, 
It was the law, stated very bluntly and definitely in grim paragraph L, section 8 of Interstellar Regulations, quote, any stowaway discovered in an EDS shall be jettisoned immediately following discovery, close quote. It was the law. There could be no appeal. It was a law not of man's choosing, but made imperative by the circumstances of the space frontier. And we'll stop it there. All right. So uh, this is recall. Mm-hmm. The gauge tells him that there's a human being mm-hmm. on board. What what color is the gauge? White. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the white hand of a tiny gauge. The white hand of a but tiny gauge tells him mm-hmm. that there's a human being. He knows exactly where the human being is. Mm-hmm. And he knows he's going to have to kill that person immediately mm-hmm. when he discovers the person. It's a small space. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right across the room. This is no bigger than probably um, a bathroom, a large bathroom or a small bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a professional. Yep. He's done this He before. knows what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do it. There's no question that he's going to do it. And he's not a, he's not a villain. He's not a murderer. He's a pilot. And he's he's uh, clearly in some sort of military regime with regulations where you just obey the regulations. And you know it's science fiction because it's the space frontier. Right. And really, in, in a couple, three, in, in four paragraphs, five paragraphs, short paragraphs, mm-hmm. Tom Godwin has told you everything you need to know about the story except for one thing. Who the stowaway is. Exactly. Who the yeah. stowaway is and why they're there. Mm-hmm. Why this mm-hmm. suddenly becomes a tragedy. You you really, at this point, know everything you need to know about the story to make a judgment. He has You've jumped right into the middle of it. Um, Tom Godwin doesn't need to tell you what the space regulations are, chapter and verse, just one of them. He doesn't need to tell you about the entire space program. Uh, you're going to find a little more information later on about the cargo he's carrying and why it's imperative that it get where it's going on time. But you really don't need to know a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are thrust into the middle of his day. Yeah, you know? he's working. He's at work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a yeah. writing teacher of mine once said, if you start your story with the hand came out from under the blanket and turned the alarm clock off, you had better have a damn good reason to start the story at the at the beginning of someone's day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because nobody because if it's about your morning ablutions <laughs> and what you had for breakfast, nobody cares. Right. Um, right. So we're going to go right to the point where a a hard bitten professional is going to have to kill someone as a matter of course, like it mm-hmm. or not, and it's it's the law of physics. It's inviolable. It's not a matter of negotiation. There's no, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, oh, really? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, and you should read it for yourself. I'm not going to spoil it for you. If you've never read it, I'm not going to spoil it for you. And we have a, we'll have a link to it yeah. at our respective blogs, Blue Gal and Drift Glass. So you can go and take a look. And uh, so now how about the assignment, Drift Glass? What is it you want people to write and submit? And we will give you instructions on submission as well. Um. Some all of you probably have an idea. If you have an idea about your story, um, a story you want to write, science fiction, science fiction genre, send it in. Um, send in the first two or three paragraphs, even four hmm. paragraphs. I'll go four paragraphs, but I, I'm going to apply um, the law, and it's not a law of man's choosing. 
<laughs> but it's a we will jettison any story yeah. that is longer than four paragraphs. Yeah. Um, the the editor of um, Asimov's magazine, Gardner Dojois, uh, once uh, explained to a small group of us who were at a writing conference that, sorry, if you don't catch me in the first page, I'm throwing your story on, onto the onto the pile. I go yep. through, you know, dozens of these things off the slush pile, the unsolicited story pile. And he said, I, I, I've gone four or five pages into a story that began with a really vivid, well-described blowjob. Um, they were a terrible story, but they got my goddamn attention. <laughs> <clears throat> and your job, whether you like it or not, this is not your novel. Don't give me a lot of running up to your point. Jump If, if you're writing a short story, jump right in the middle of the action, in medias rest, in the middle of things. Go right to what's going on, and don't worry that the story might only be 800 words long if you start it you know in the middle of things that's great it's a short story but um and and give me examples right because every word has to every word costs you something and every word should bring you something mm -hmm. so every word is something that your reader has to slog through and there has to be a payoff to it that's why edgar Allan poe is one of my favorite writers because he wrote a lot of junk but he he wrote poetry and he knew how to cut, 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 cut down to just the essential to tell you exactly what you need to know and nothing more. And every word carried carried some burden of the story. So pick your words carefully and give me sensory stuff. Give me sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing. All right. And that's it. You were just saying the first up to four paragraphs of a story that you're either are writing for this exercise yep. or you've written before. That's fine, too. Email it, please, mm -hmm. uh, to proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, don't make it an attachment. Don't make it a share. Just paste it into an email and send it to us. I have my own um, proprietary notepad software, Blue Gal. Can I put it in there? No. <laughs> no. 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 I don't want to print anything. <laughs> I, I have gotten entire novels sort of, sort of handed along to me that – went on i just stopped reading them after the first two chapters because it was all charts and graphs and and, and descriptions of the geography of the planet don't yeah. care don't yep. care because don't don't need a map of westeros for no. this one nope. uh -uh. <laughs> nope. all right so we appreciate that we look forward to them we will read them and of course as usual we reserve the right to read your uh email on the air Mm -hmm. And we will uh, discuss these. Uh, if if you want to use a nom de plume, that's fine. Fine. Um, Let us know that. I, I have handled many stories um, submitted to me over a number of years gently, um, and and many of them I've handled rather um, matter of factly, harshly. Is um, that what you're doing? I don't want to ever discourage anyone from writing, but I, I will you know tell you up front if you should get rid of the first four paragraphs. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Or I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Well, and we will do recall on these so that you know what in the story is grabbing us. Yeah. And that's it. That's a really important point. Is And that's why you workshop these things is so that you can hear from an audience, okay, this is what I remember. Mm -hmm. And it makes a huge difference then in your editing process that, oh, what really grabbed people and what people took away from my story was the closet right. or the hair of the woman or 
you know, the blood stain or whatever it is, whatever detail it is, uh, knowing that and realizing and recall that those are the things that uh, made an imprint on someone's brain is really valuable information. So, And don't be surprised if the story you end up with is not the story you started with. Yeah, yeah. You suddenly realize that there was a bunch of fertilizer in the first two pages, Mm -hmm. and there was two sentences that were really good, and that's your story. The rest of it was just scaffolding you built in your head to get you there. I remember I wrote a story once that was maybe seven or eight double-spaced pages, mm-hmm. and I thought it was done. And uh, turned out I went back and changed it from third person to first person, and it was a completely <clears throat> different story. Yep. Yep. <laughs> just completely changed the whole thing. So uh, – this is what you, this is the kind of feedback you want to get, and we are very happy to hear from you. Uh, feel free to write us, so we will look forward to that. That those will be read and discussed, uh, however many we get mm-hmm. in two weeks. We'll be back next week with more science fiction university with a quiz and a reminder about the assignment. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Drift Glass. My pleasure, Blue Gal. Love revisiting these old classics. Yeah. All right. Love ya. Love you too. Bye. Right. Bye.